Hey gang, it's John. Thanks for listening to another edition of Deep Dive. Here's the deal. We're inviting back Ellen Foley. This is her third time. Her and Ian Anderson are the only people that have been on here three times. So a couple of weeks ago, Ellen put out, surprisingly, one of the best rock albums of the year. It's called Fighting Words. Perfect album title for this day and age, by the way, don't you think? Anyway, it is fantastic. And it harkens back to her earlier kind of almost, it wasn't glam rock, but it came out in the late 70s, her first album, Night Out. 1979, she works with Ian Hunter, Mick Ronson, Martin Briley, great sort of great artists who are dipping their foot into a little bit of glam rock, a little bit of power pop, a little bit of what Meatloaf's doing, which fits Ellen nicely, a little bit of new wave. All these sounds are coming together. So Fighting Words is so good and it harkens back a little bit to that debut album. So what we do here is we talk about both. We have the first half of this probably is spent just lavishing praise on Fighting Words because it's so great. And then after that, we deep dive that debut album of Ellen's, Night Out, that is so fantastic. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this. She is so great, still so great. Check this out. I think you guys are going to love it. I, you've Even been posting cool. a lot of interviews lately. There's a lot of interest in this album. There really is. It's a shocking what I'm do you so attribute excited. that to? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. What, it's what, really good. And why are why do you think people are grasping onto this one? Because it's been a while. The timing. I mean, the quality is great. What do you think? Uh, it's it's been a while. People seem to be really interested in me and my, you know, story. Yeah. Maybe there's been enough time. Maybe I'm experiencing some kind of renaissance I maybe don't know. yeah uh i think mainly because it's so good yeah it's just I good agree. maybe it's a continuation of where i was when things were you know really working mm -hmm. like i mean it doesn't have the sort of steinman-esque springsteen uh wall of sound thing but it has such an energy and it's really Absolutely. a rock and roll record which it Nobody is certainly do in a long time. No, no, no. And there aren't, there aren't that many of them. Uh, rock is not on top on people's minds, like actual, you know, uh, instruments and guitars and things like that. And to yeah. have it come from you at a time like now, like now is uh, such a welcome surprise. Who would have thought Thank Ellen you. Foley would release one of the best rock records of 2021? You know what I mean? Oh my goodness! You know, and I just wish it would translate into sales, but I'm not so sure too. how that works. I don't know either. I don't know either. I wondered that same thing. I don't know how it works anymore. Um, I just don't. You know, no. I mean. Um, so, by the way, so we're going to talk about the new album for a minute, and then um, continue talking. I should say about the new album for a minute, and then we're going to do the track by track of Night Out. By the way, um, before we get too deep into it, we should talk. Uh, Mac, Charlie Robinson from Night Court died the other day. Yeah. Had you two stayed in touch or anything like that? I hadn't. I hadn't really been in touch. I saw I saw Lara Kett a few times when like in the 88 or something. I was on Broadway and he came to New York and he saw my show and then we went to see some shows, but not anyone else. Mm. And uh but um 
Charlie Robinson was great. And then uh, to see, he did a lot of good work after Night Court. Did he? A lot of television stuff. And to see, you know, his maturity and playing different kinds of roles. Uh-huh. But he was he was just a nice man. He seemed like it. He was yeah. one of, that was one of the beauties of everybody on the cast, including you when you were there in the first was it the first season or two or just one uh, or two, second two season. That's what I yeah. thought. Was just like the warmth or there was everybody just seemed like fun people that you would want to know in real life. That's and true. Charlie was definitely like that. And so was Harry yeah. and they're the two that are gone. So sad. I know. Well, Harry, you know, was was super unique because, you know, he didn't come from theater acting. You know, I guess he he had kind of a a griftery background, or at least that's how he liked to promote himself. And it was sort of cool with, uh, you know, with the magic and and, and, you know, working the streets. And so, uh, you know, and then you had Selma Diamond, who was Mm -hmm. somebody who, you know, really blazed the trail. For female, you know, comedy writers specifically. Mm-hmm. And Lara Kett is just so brilliant. I mean, how yeah. many how many Emmys did he win? You I know. know. I know. Yeah. It was like every year. Yeah, that was yeah. a special show. And uh, I was so sad. I, I mean, I've seen Charlie pop up once or twice on TV since then. But he's one of those people that you always remember Mac. And I wondered what else he had been doing or what he's been up to. And then when they pass on and you feel like you wanted more, that's always so, that's always. Sad. Yeah. I know. Um, you can watch reruns of Night Court. I'm, that's true. I'm sure um, it exists somewhere. I personally don't watch it. But it seems you can find anything, which I love. Yeah. That's how I spend yeah. most of my time watching old sitcoms. Heck yeah. I'm right there with you. That and uh, old game shows. For whatever reason, I love watching the old game shows, like really? Tales or something from the 70s. Do you remember those? No, <laughs> I don't even know that show. Wow. I don't That's know. Funny. I, love that I, stuff. I don't think I know anybody else who's into that. <laughs> I'm a, I'm kind of nerdy that way. I guess. Um, yeah. All right. So anyway, let's talk about fighting words. First of all, I think that's the perfect name for an album today. There are so many layers as to why the sort of a we're not going to take it kind of mentality the triggering yeah. nature of everybody and everything that's out there right now fighting back. It's so it's perfect. Why was now the time to make this album? Well, I think that, you know, the, most of it was um, conceived and done during the era of Voldemort, which I like to call him and fighting words. It's like, you know, you felt every day you woke up and felt like, there was some sort of personal affront if you yeah. weren't, if you were, you know, on the on the slight left, if you were yep. Democrat. If, and uh, I was just thinking today how people probably don't know where fighting words came from, like the old uh, westerns or or um, probably westerns maybe. Like one guy would say to the other, "Them's fighting words." <laughs> It's funny, I was just thinking that today, of course, that's where that phrase comes from. Yep, yep. And uh, it was it was Paul's idea. I don't take any credit for it. Huh. Yeah. Well, it's, and, but, uh, yeah, everything's a battle. I don't yeah. feel that right now, although yeah. there's terrible news today about all 50 states are having upticks in um, yeah. COVID. So yeah. I, I, I just went to the store and I put my mask back on. You it's did? Like, Ooh, oh yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, I assume you're listen- vaccinated. Of course, but I'm yeah. listening to CNN and they say because of the the variant um yeah. Delta. All, uh, unvaccinated people are spreading it around. So Ugh. got the mask back on. Oh man. It sort of sucks. Yeah, it does. It but does. We digress. Well, digress. but that's I mean, yeah. Anyway, I hoped that was the reasoning for calling the album Fighting Words because that's the perfect encapsulation of this time, I think, in our history. And so yeah. what's the process for you for recording an album? I mean, do you, are you sitting at home like this, watching old sitcoms and thinking, I have an, I have some ideas for some songs. I think I might record no. these things. What do you no. do? I was at home watching sitcoms and Paul Foglino badgered me until <laughs> I paid attention he really was, he really is like, uh, he had to jangle shiny things in front of me. So I would, <laughs> I would, I would snap out of it, uh-huh. snap out of it. Yeah. You know, we just, he and I spent a lot of time developing the stuff. You know, I don't uh-huh. take credit. I don't take credit as a writer, but I take credit as a, you know, conceptualizing it sure. and personalizing it and talking about to him how this would possibly relate to me and there being some songs that I felt wouldn't. And Paul is, Paul is a little, well, I started to say he's, he's not, he's not a songwriter who is, is um, stubborn, but he is very stubborn, but you know, so am I. So we managed to, to come to an agreement on, on this stuff. I don't even know his pedigree. Who is Paul? What's the history here? Paul was uh, kind of a folky uh, Americana, I guess you would say. He had a band that was popular around here in maybe the 90s and the aughts called the Five Chinese Brothers. Oh. And they they recorded some albums. I've heard of them. Oh, it was the, yeah, back to the 80s. You know, he, I think it was people, he went to Columbia and guys that, they put the and and you know they toured a lot, traveled a lot. Um, he and a guy Tom Meltzer, I think, wrote all all the songs back then. And Tom, um, Paul was the bass player in the band. But okay. now you know I've just known him. You know when writing songs or or when we perform, he's playing the guitar. Okay. Has a uh, a degree in engineering from wow. Columbia. So, you know, he's, he's got a very, Intelligent. you know, I'm really lucky because I'm surrounded by people with really yeah. meticulous minds yeah. and it, it allows me to be me. You know, it's like Randy Haker is like on my <laughs> ass constantly about, you know, get it together, you know, do this, do that, which I've never had anybody like that who yeah. is so, uh, who works so hard as a PR Good. person. My Good. husband is an ultimate A type personality. Sometimes I just want him to leave me alone, but he's fine. He's <laughs> I know that feeling. I'm married to an A myself. Are you? Yes. Yes. Very much so. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, I'm 70 years old. I should just be, I should be able to do exactly what I want and not have anybody tell me, but that, it, that doesn't sink in. No, no, it doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't. Um, okay. So let's talk about the first couple of singles. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. It didn't matter anyway 
Carla DeVito shows up on this. You two, uh, that's such a fun kind of reunion between you two from back in the day. I, I assume you two maybe have stayed in touch all this time, or how did this no, happen? No, no, we really hadn't. You know, I think I, I was sort of a, I had it stuck in my craw for many years, you know, about the lip syncing and people thinking it was her, but... I got over that. I definitely yeah. got over that. You know, that didn't Good. last all these years. And we just, you know, uh, we had a reunion uh, when Jim Steinman, uh, when we did a, a tribute to Jim. And then uh, Meatloaf had us do a trio with him, in Braver Than You Are. Mm-hmm. It was mainly when we, when we did that, the tribute at this place called Below 54 in New York. Be, and believe it's below 54 because it's studio 54 is now a theater oh, and yeah. there's this cabaret underneath. And I always think about all everybody who had been back there in the day doing cocaine. And that's, <laughs> that's this space. Uh, I, I, I was never led into the inner sanctum, but I think I'm probably lucky that I wasn't. Maybe. And, you know, so she and I really, you know, we really hit it off because she's yeah. terrific. And yeah. she's like somebody I wanted to know. And so I suggested to Paul that she sing on this. And uh, he wrote That's the great. song. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. And again, it's that was the first thing that was released from the new album and is so far. And it's uh, a great um, glimpse into what you're going to get with the rest of the album. Speaking of which, are you good enough? Out of the gate, first song on the album starts with this massive drum beat and guitar riff. Pain. 
And yeah. again, going back, it's not what you think you're going to get, but it's it just announces this album is in your ears all the oh, way. I out love of the gate. that. I love it. It announces. Yes. John, you always have stuff that I want to steal. It announces. I got to write this stuff down. Yeah. <laughs> it announces. That's fantastic. Yeah, it does. You pop it on, and the first thing you hear are these gigantic beats and guitar yeah. riffs from Are You Good Enough? And uh, this is what you're strapped in for, you know? Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I love it too. How did the, what was the decision making around Heaven Can Wait? I love that song. You do this version of it is gorgeous. I just Steinman wasn't dead. I'm assuming when you recorded this. So what was no, the no, uh, no, what was no. the thinking? Um, I ju- I kind of forced it. You know, I said to, I said to Paul, I want this on the record, and now he's like, you know, because he comes from a whole different world. But then it was not recorded during the sessions mm. of the album. It was recorded for a movie, a film I was in, this little indie film. And uh, the producer wanted me to sing it. And she got Andrew Williams to make a track. Andrew Williams, who is Andy Williams' son, who is a producer in LA. So it was the same sort of thing as the album. He made this, you know, really lush orchestral track and sent it to... uh, uh, to New York, and and um, I did it in a studio in New York for this film, you know, probably 10 years ago. Oh, and um, Yeah. And, you know, I had the brainstorm that I I wanted it on the record, yeah. you know, because, uh, you know, I kind of, it's Meatloaf's song, but I consider it it's my song, too, because I've been singing it so long. Sure. And it's a really good version, you know, and yes. I had it. And so, like I said, I, I kind of forced it, and everybody seems to... It's it's really sort of I would guess say a bonus track because mm. it doesn't sound anything like the rest of the record. No, it doesn't. But it's a it's a beautiful callback to your history with you putting your own spin on it. I really like it a lot, and I I think one of my favorite songs on the album is "Leave Him, Janie." 
And I wondered, what's the who's Janie? What's the story of Leave Him, Janie? Um, well, that's a Paul a song that Paul had. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure when he wrote it. If he did it, you know, he write he just writes a lot of songs. If he did it with the five Chinese brothers, but to me, it's very. I don't know. I think about the uh, the Aerosmith song, Janie's Got a Gun. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and you know, I see Jay. I see. You know, Janie is possibly this dangerous little chick, but she's got herself into some sort of, yeah. you know, bad relationship. Yeah. You know, and she's she's young. She's like, she's a a, a New York girl. Maybe she's yeah. on the Lower East Side. She's on her own, and got into an abusive relationship. And and you know, somehow I come along as the older, wiser woman. <laughs> Uh-huh. And being able to tell her from experience not yeah. to waste any more time. Yeah. But it was yeah. all, Paul did a cool thing. He took it, he took the song and he made a, a like a video collage of Voldemort. Mm. You know who I mean when I say Voldemort? I do. I absolutely do. He, yes. yes. And so, and he, he made, he made a YouTube video of that or put it on Facebook. So it's uh-huh. leave him Janie. So Janie became uh, the U.S. of A. You know, in that <laughs> yes. in that instance. Oh, yeah. we could dream. Well, I mean, I guess we did leave, but we can't. We did really dream, leave. you know. That's and now it's. I think it's great. I'm just so pissed off about this, these COVID numbers because yeah. Biden did such a good number, a big good job swooping in and getting people vaccinated, but these yeah. idiots who aren't are just. I know. I uh, how, what a stupid thing to politicize. It didn't. It's not a political issue in the slightest. All you do is say, guys, this is going to get. We're in, we're in trouble here. Let's all just get vaccinated. Wear a mask. That's all you had to say, and instead yeah. you made it a thing. I was yep. thinking yesterday. Maybe they should name the vaccine after Voldemort, so that all of his moron you know followers will go get the vaccine oh you mean it's named after our guy yeah sure and you know he'll sell it because he's now he's vain enough got his name on like trump steaks trump ties but um but there was a funny cartoon in the daily news today there's there's biden up there 
wearing, you know, his, his shades saying the vaccine is bad for this audience. It's bad. Really? You know, well, no, oh. it's to the audience, you know, yeah. him, him saying, yeah. oh, if it's bad. Okay. If he says it's bad, we got to say it's good. So yes. if he says it's black, we say I it's see. white. I mean, yes. you live in the, you live in a part of the world, which might be a little shaky in terms of people getting vaccinated, right? It's been pretty good here, actually. Um, I mean, Denver, yeah, but maybe other parts of the state. No, I know. So I'm originally from Utah, and um, my dad died of COVID over the holidays, actually. Oh, my God, John. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's my my parents were both Trump people and being careful about with masks. So it's a, uh, it's a shame because if he had, if he had lived another couple of months, he could have gotten the vaccine and hopefully been okay. But no, yeah. he died uh, right at the end of December. Out of oh November. my God. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It, uh, and, and it's, uh, it just didn't, none of this had to be this way, you know, none of it. Now, I mean, something bad would have happened for sure. We couldn't save all of it, but it didn't have to be like this. Right, because Obama, Obama said, you know, there, there's gonna, there's, there's probably something on the way, and he, you know, uh, put together the whole team on the on pandemics, which that asshole, you know, uh, he deconstructed anyway. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just upset. You know, I, I felt so great not wearing masks. Now there I was today, you know, in the store shopping again with the masks. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, but if they, if that's the worst thing, yeah, uh, whatever you got to do, whatever you know, let's just get it over with. Okay, let's talk about night out for a little bit. Okay. Um, I am. Uh, this was your first solo album. Came out June twenty first, nineteen seventy nine, on Cleveland International Records, which I think was Ian Hunter's label, probably at the time, right? Oh, it was Meatloaf's album. Oh, it was Meatloaf's, uh, Meatloaf's um, label. A uh, label. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought it was. I, I because uh, Ian has Cleveland Rocks. I assumed Cleveland International was his. Yeah, well, um, it was. I think after a point, you know, when everybody got involved with uh, Cleveland, because um, Steve Popovich, who was Cleveland International, signed to meet Loaf. I mean, he was an, he was a visionary. This guy yeah. after us trying to get an, um, a a record deal for so long, he came along. He was a he was a huge A&R guy at, at CBS and Epic. So they gave him his own okay. label. So he signed Meatloaf. He signed me. I don't know at, at which point uh, he signed Ian, but Ian definitely was. Okay. And, uh, and the whole Cleveland Rocks probably came out of the relationship. That but also sense. out of him playing Cleveland and it being such a great town for Rock yeah. and Roll. Yeah, definitely. Know. Definitely. Cleveland and Detroit. Uh, those are the hot spots. So mm-hmm. I was wondering before leading up to this, and we may have talked about this the last time. I don't remember, but you being a really hot commodity, thanks to the meat song. What were you a? Uh, were you being courted by many labels? Was there an? A, did you get a, a big advance? Was there like a bidding war for you? Did you no, stay loyal to Cleveland? I, Why? No, because I never, I never went after a, a record deal. Okay. He just came and gave me one. I always say really? I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have to go through the uh, 
to, you know, uh, touring with your own band, you know, making demos, you know, uh, I mean, maybe I could have been courted, but I was never in that position. Yeah. And it's fine because I think it, it, they were great. They were a fantastic, uh, three guy operation in New York. Then he had, then he had an office in Cleveland. I mean, and you had the support of Epic Records. So I was managed by them, you know, their office here, but, but Epic was my label. So I spent a lot of time up there. You know, the PR uh, office was run by Susan Blonde, who was a really famous PR. She was one of Andy Warhol's people. So she was unbelievably like, you know, cool and hip. And, you yeah. know, I had a friendship with her. But uh, no, there were, you know, was never, um, never in that position. Okay. I wondered if after, you know, Dashboard, everybody's wanting a piece of Helen, of Ellen Foley. And you're thinking, who am I going to go with at the end of the day? Well, no, I mean, the Meatloaf record hadn't come out yet. Oh, really? Uh, Oh, I guess it, it you know, no, it hadn't. So it, it came out, mine came out uh, June what did you say? 79. I don't know. When did the meat count record? Ca- I thought anyway, Bad Out of Hell was 77 or 78. No? Maybe it was 78. Okay. But it, 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 hadn't, it hadn't, you know, broken yet or anything like that. I think uh, the re- record company came out of the, just the relationship and him, you know, knowing what was going to happen. Because okay. he, was, he was so smart about that stuff. Okay. Did you ask Ian and Mick, we should say Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson, I mean, two of the greatest to ever live, produce this record for you. Um, were you friendly with them? Did they, did you know them beforehand? Why did they get picked to sign on for this? Um, it was through Steve Popovich. Okay. You know, he was, he was, you know, creating a little stable. He had meatloaf. He had Ian. He connected yeah. Ian and, and Mick up with me. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, uh, put us together to do up in, well, I went up to Woodstock and did demos with them in Bearsville studio, mm-hmm. Todd Rungren studio, which is the same place we recorded bad out of hell. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a comfortable situation. Nice. Nice. And, uh, it, you know, did some demos sounded great. Uh, took some time for me to go. I, I, t- I spent a lot of time fi- just, with my vinyl records on the floor of my living room, you know, looking for songs, looking for ideas. Then I met uh, this guy, Fred Goodman, who unfortunately passed away uh, in the last week or so. Wow. It's going to start happening. You know, I mean, this was weird, but you know, we wrote that song. We belong to the night, which was the first song on the album.
it kind of, like you say, it announces the uh-huh. record. Uh-huh. Uh, that announced it, you know, the yeah. big um, Phil Spectory wall of sound. It's one of my favorite songs ever. And I, it has, it calls back to Steinman and Springsteen in a way. I did see that it was written by you and Fred, and I was curious who Fred was. But it, um, the, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I, I've heard it, I've been listening to it over and over to, again to get ready to talk to you and found these clips of you performing it, which was really interesting because I've seen you act and I've listened to your records, but I've never seen you sing your songs like they, uh-huh. like a, from these clips. And I'm getting kind of choked up. When you start hitting the high-pitched ooze at the end, and it keeps elevating at the end of the song, it's a magical, magical piece of writing and recording. Um, so, who was this Fred guy? Who was Fred? Fred. Fred was. Uh, he came again from um, from uh, Popovich, and he was a writer at Billboard magazine, oh. and you know was you know got into songwriting. And and Steve introduced us, and you know he had been writing for other people, and, uh, but uh, this was, I think, for him and for me, the first thing that that kind of hit. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. When did but you, he when was you... funny, you know. He did. I'm sorry. He no, he please. later he put together a group called Freddie and the Nudniks, and they did like these very Jewish songs. You know? <laughs> And but I think I I talked to his cousin last week and he said he was still working for um, not Billboard, but some some uh, uh, music publication that still existed. I I didn't even know it did one of one of those, you know, the old ones that have been. Yeah, yeah. there's not many. He he had been he had been in California for a long time. Okay, when you wrote wrote that song with him. Did you envision it being this epic, romantic piece of majesty that it was? Yeah, definitely. Really? I, oh, yeah. I think that when we got in the studio, when I recorded, I really guided it in that direction for them to know um, what style I wanted to be, wanted it to be in, what what the influences were coming from Steinman, yeah. uh, coming from this Phil Spector yeah. Uh, school, you know, loving all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's because I mean, I remember writing it in a room in my apartment. It's believe it or not, the same apartment I live in now. And there was no furniture in this one room at all. It was just a keyboard. And the the bedroom faces this room faces Broadway, which you started to talk about construction. Uh-huh. My bedroom still faces Broadway. And uh, we, when Paul and I were doing the vocals for Fighting Words, we had to stop every once in a while for an ambulance or a fire truck to go by. So when you said construction, I was like, come on. But so I live in um, New York. Was, come on. Do you think I don't know construction? <clears throat> I live, I practically live in the middle of the street. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really to be able to just look out the window. And, you know, I had just, fallen off the turnip truck really and gotten uh-huh. so lucky you know being here it was 19 what 77 i had just come to new york in 72 uh-huh. and look where i was all of a sudden yeah. so yeah it was really uh-huh. about i love the 70s in new york a lot I of bet. people 
think it was a you know bad time things were dirty but to me it was just so thrilling and I and bet. it was about being out there being on the street you know living your life in your in the 20s you know yeah. there being some danger but it was just really exciting and that's I where bet. it all came, came from uh something that has come to light <laughs> the last few years about mick ronson is his in- exceptional talent with uh strings with arranging strings and uh that you would and orchestrations which you would never guess from one of the greatest guitarists ever and i wonder yeah. if, if he is the one largely responsible for making this song the romantic epic that it is yeah i mean we had that was back in the day when you actually had a string section coming right. to the studio and that was like a gigantic thrill and yeah he yeah. he arranged he arranged all that and, Amazing. you know, him coming, you know, the boy from Hull, who is a rock and roll guitarist, him knowing all that language and being able to speak to these people and, and telling them exactly what was needed and yeah. it coming out so beautifully. That's amazing. Yeah. He's so talented. Um, and he, you know, he's somebody that I feel like if he were still around, he would get all the praise that he has deserved his entire life he was gone too soon he was gone before people could really really pay close attention to all that he's brought to music and praise him for it you know um yeah i mean there's there's the uh, the absolute mick ronson facebook groups you know oh really oh Oh, yeah there are definitely mick ronson facebook groups and there's a statue of him in his hometown. In oh, Hall. good. Well, I didn't know that. Okay, great. You know, which is Northern England. Yeah, he's the hometown hero. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are these little pockets of people who, you know, think about him all the time. Good. And, okay. you know, anybody, you know, who really cares about music and listens to the Bowie stuff, uh, you know, even, even with Dylan... Yeah. You know, that tour, uh, you know, he had such a, and with, with Ian, I mean, they had yeah. a great partnership. They did. You know, it was really the two of them out front. So yeah. I think, you know, hopefully people who yeah, know, so. know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. People who know, know. Uh, yeah. Okay, track two, uh, What's the Matter, Baby?
This is a cover of a Timmy Euro. I don't know who Timmy. that is. Timmy. Her name Timmy Euro. And um, I don't know uh, a lot of other stuff she did, but I was somebody. I was I was looking at one of my videos yesterday, and somebody said, "Yeah, it's good," but Timmy Euro had the whole Phil Spector thing behind her. So I have to listen to her again. So I guess she was out of the the Phil Spector stable, and um, I think it was brought to me by Ian. Okay. I think yeah, and it's. It's got the great chorus. It's got the whole, uh, you know, girl, the the snotty uh, mentality, you know, that you broke my heart, you know, fuck you. And, you know, I always get to, I like to talk in songs whenever I can, you know, come on, baby, you know, what's the matter, baby, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, the, it, 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 I, I'm still doing it, you know, whenever uh -huh. I can, whenever I can talk in songs, I do. But it had a great chorus and it really gave, Gave the opportunity for some some more of those big notes in there. Yes. You know, all these songs I still perform and I still do. Really? They're down. Oh, that's the, great. Key, the keys are maybe down a little bit, not quite as high, but what, the keys I do do them in, I can really still hit those notes and do okay. the whole thing. I you spoke know. with Ma Martin Briley recently. And, you did? Uh, I did, yeah. And uh, he, he, he plays bass on this album. Yeah, he does. And he's featured, his bass sounds fantastic on this song in particular, very rubbery and everything. Um, yeah. So what's he doing? What are, you, what are you talking to him about? He, well, I interviewed him for the show, just like I did with you. I, I wanted, I, same, I had the same question. Everyone knows salt in my tears. What has Martin Briley been doing since then? And he produces a lot. He does a lot of like, uh, produces a lot of music for television and stuff oh, like good. that. Yeah, does he so, live here or there? I believe he lives in New York still. Oh. Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, you're not going to just run into people on the streets in New York, but he's probably been there all that time. I think he has. He I don't know about fun. New York City. I think he might be right outside he's the up, city. Like, yeah. That's where I am right yeah. now, somewhere upstate. He yeah. was funny. He was one of those people with the really dry yes. humor, right? Very dry. Oh yeah. Does yeah. he have kids? Do you know anything about uh, him? I don't oh, is I, he should, married I don't remember. I think well, you don't divorced. really talk, but you know, that's not your thing. You don't talk well, about I do ask sometimes like personal, you know, so are you still married? Do you have any kids? Just a brief, just to give an idea of where somebody's at in their life. But right. I can't remember. We talked about a month ago, probably. But anyway, I'll, it hasn't I'll, come out I'll yet. I'll Google him. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll Google him. That's the great thing, how you can Totally. To. I'll, uh, if you, it hasn't come out yet, but when it does, if you care, I'll send you a link. You can listen. I'd love to see. We it. talk about you funny. and that album. Okay. Number. Yeah. All right. That makes it even more interesting. Of course. Of course. So when getting ready now, the next song on here is stupid girl.
the Stones song. And when I was getting ready to talk to you, I can't remember where I read this, but it was saying that you had kind of what you alluded to earlier, wanted to record, you had, you brought a list of your favorite records. These are the songs that I like that I think I could do really well. And I'm assuming Stupid Girl was in that pile. Well, that, that one, my friend Zora, who's still my friend. Oh, nice. I don't know why, because she doesn't come from rock and roll, really. Huh. Maybe she just thought I was stupid. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe after all these years, it's an insult. I have to, I have to ask her. <laughs> but yeah, she gave me that idea. Hey, okay. you know, I just put on Instagram, uh-huh. there is a video of me doing it uh, from the Kenny Everett show. This English show. Really? And it is a riot. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. It's hysterical. I want you to watch it. I will. It features my ass in the beginning, and it looks really good. Even, Even better. More... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was curious, when you record, when you do a Stones cover, do you have to, is there red tape involved? Are you? Do you know? Do you have to, like, seek an approval or permission first? Or do you no. just do it? Okay. I don't think so. I think, you know, there's, there's, you know, uh, writer's royalties that go to them yeah. when you sell records. Uh huh. Whenever you do a cover, you just do it. Yeah. Okay. I think they, they can be so litigious. I wondered if there was this red tape, you had to like get an approval and they had to, I'm imagining them, someone sending someone to the studio to make sure you do it right. I don't know. Well, they could have sent Mick, but they didn't the bastards. <laughs> Did you ever meet Mick? No, I couldn't. Really? Okay. I couldn't, no. I think I saw him on Riverside Drive one day. And it's like I went up a block and steered uh-huh. I couldn't in a million years. No, no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Because there's that picture of you with Pete Townsend where right. he just he just is a dog going after yeah. a bone. On that picture, right. and you're and looking like it, that's what it looks like. And my, I like my face because I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you know, I he came, it was in New Haven, and they played this was so nice. They played, you know, whatever uh, big uh, house that is there. And I was doing a club, and he came to my show. Oh. He came to see my show in this club, and he was really nice. Good. And you know, somebody took a picture. And I, that was it. They did invite me. Uh, they say, do you want to come party? I said, no, no, I got, I got to go. So, okay. you know, with all the dumb things I did when I was young, there were some things I did that were pretty smart. Good. I did not go party with the <laughs> But that picture, that picture looks like there's a lot more background to it than there, than there That's is. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Stupid girl. First of all, it, it sounds like, Mick in his Ziggy heyday on guitar on that song. And it features, I was curious, it features saxophone. And I don't know who's playing saxophone on this album. On this album, I think uh, one of the Brecker brothers played. It might have been a Brecker brother. But it was also the guy, Lenny, Lenny... Who plays? Who still plays on Saturday Night Live? He's the band leader on oh. Saturday. Lenny Pickett is his name. That's right. So it was either Lenny Pickett or one of the Brecker brothers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see the the credit anywhere. Um, and then on piano, yeah. 
who's playing the piano? The piano, I mean, piano throughout this album sounds fantastic, but on this song in particular, do you remember? I think Tommy Mandel. Oh, okay. Did, did all the did all the piano, and uh, he he probably remembers that that was the first album he ever played on. Oh, and then geez. he went on to be in Ian's band and Brian Adams and play all this stuff. He's a, he's a wild character. You know, I still, well, had a bit of a falling out. Oh, shoot. Okay. No, he's, he's I, I wanted him uh, to come play in my band. Uh-huh. You know, we were doing some gigs this was, you know, like it must have been when we were 2015 or twice, somewhere around there. And uh-huh. uh, I had him come in and he thought he was just, I guess, going to come in and play. But Paul Paglino was giving him some direction and he was like, a and then we took a break and he left his coffee cup and split, you know, like uh-huh. right in the middle of rehearsal. Really? So oh. uh, I don't speak that's, to him. Anymore. That's not cool. That's not cool. Um, He's an asshole. Whatever. Okay. All right. Good luck to him then. Uh, Track four, Night Out, the the, um, title track. The chic on the streets and they're strutting with pride The light on their feet as they hustle inside There are giggles and sighs The clubs have been sweaty and half of them stare The lost battalion from the last rebellion Lighting the fires for the new resurrection and hell They run to that rock and roll sound But you're alone or in with the crowd And everybody knows that it's, it's kind of hard to get back song is very different it has this very pulsating like middle of the night kind of vibe to it but with these right. really fun sort of uh accents to it as well written by philip rambo he's another name i didn't know who's philip yeah he he's great he was he was a friend of uh ronson uh he's canadian i think but he spent uh, i think he lived in england uh came in and gave me that song and what I like is there the sustained organ sounds in it and yes. very atmospheric. And he wrote it about CBGBs. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And about a kid who who went and probably might have gone by himself, you know, wasn't from New York. Uh-huh. And you go to these places and, you know, it was probably like high school, the clicks in high school. 
and he not feeling comfortable, but you know, um, writing that song about it. Sure. I just think it's an it's an amazing song. I should do it live. You I should probably really do could it live. because it's so yeah. minimal that it wouldn't. It it could just be you and a pull. You know, someone on the synthesizer doing You're the pulsating right. thing. You're yeah. right, but I mean it. You think you kind of age out of some songs, but I don't think so. So yeah. next time I do gigs, which I hope will be sooner than later, I think I yeah. should. I should that do that. That would be a good one. So it's, good. Um, it's such an outlier on the rest of the album, but in a great way. Uh, both sides, if we're going to go by a record, and with these outliers that are different than everything else that's come before. So we'll talk about the last album at the end or the last song at the end, but uh, yeah, I love the vibe. It just sounds like this slinky, really dark middle of the night walking around. I know. And it's City. just that don't just yes. like heartbeat, heartbeat under it. Yes. That's it. Get the sense this kid's, you know, beating heart. It's yeah. I love it. Yeah, man. Why don't I sing that? I you think should. I will. You should. Do you um, want me to sing it now? <laughs> For me, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be killer. Uh, I know. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so we flip the record record over, and you do a cover of my very favorite Graham Parker song, "Thunder and Rain." I just talked to him a few months, a couple of months ago too. He was on here. He's the best. Were you yes. a Graham Parker fan? Did you pick this yourself? Did someone pick it for you? No, I picked it because it went along. Uh, I love the, you know, the big dramatic thing. So it it really, it really went with my philosophy, I guess, at the time. And yeah, that that was my pick. Yeah. Because I mean, and da, da, it was really big the way. The way we, yes. the guitar, the way it was, uh, you know, the more I, I think about this record, the more I think about, yeah, how unbelievable Ronson was and how uh-huh. much, how much of all of this is him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it, Go ahead. It gave me the opportunity to, to sing that way. Yeah. The, it's, I'm glad I let you finish that sentence because that's what I was thinking too, because uh, the thing that I loved about Graham, especially in those early few albums, and this song is the perfect encapsulation of it to me, is that he sings 
Like his life depends on it. It's so urgent. You can hear like the veins in his neck, you know, just like screaming. And uh, yeah, yeah. And you sound like you sing like that too. There's just right. this urgency to this voice. It's so powerful that you've got to get this out of your system. And so that's the energy that makes that song my favorite of his. You have that same energy when you bring it. It's not just a cover of a song you like. You match it you match the energy level too, which doesn't happen all the time. Well, I think, I think uh, it would have a lot to do with the visualization of that lyric. Yeah. Thunder and rain, you know, you're up against the elements. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. It's like King Lear out yeah. in the, out in the uh, uh, storm. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. I'm glad you did it. Um, okay. The next song is sad song. This one was written by Mark Midler. That was another name I didn't know. I don't, don't know either. Okay. It, you know, I guess that was the record company's idea. Okay. It's just a, do- it's just a dopey song. I have no, no really. Really interesting. Feeling okay. about it. it sounds good. It's nice, but it's poppy. It's more poppy than anything else in the record. It kind of is. One of the mix slide guitar sounds great. And I really like the background vocals on here. That was sort of a hallmark of, of, um, you know, it seems to me like sometimes glam rock, which I, I almost put this album in the glam rock genre is Mm -hmm. it was taking kind of the fifties music of like Eddie Cochran or Gene Vincent, but it was running it through like the garage rock sound. And so you'd have this sort of updated, sludgier guitar hard rocking sound on 50s music with doo-wop shalala background yeah. vocals and that's what's happening on this song is you've got these beautiful callbacks to the doo-wop era in the background vocals but mix very modern guitar playing okay maybe it was a great song <laughs> i really like this album that's why i wanted to talk to you about it but okay, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't. Ha- I don't have more to say. That's okay. That's okay. It's a sad song. Da, da, da. It's just. It wasn't you know, one of your favorites. It's kind of silly. Okay. In a way, compared to where I was at, you know, seeing things like thunder and rain, and we yeah. belong to the night. You know. Yeah. 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 True. I think I think it was a a stab at commercialism. You know, mm. maybe a European uh, uh to European markets and stuff like that. I think it might have been released over there to. I'm a glad B, you mentioned B-side that or something. because I don't know what the singles were off of this album. What would you um, have heard on the radio? 
Over here, not that much. I don't really? think maybe. I think we belong to the night and what's the matter, baby, probably. Okay. That's what I thought. Maybe I, and uh, maybe stupid girl, but you know, it it, it it was a lot bigger overseas. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. I was trying to find that information of what was released as singles and when, and I couldn't get a good read on it. So I wasn't yeah. sure what the story on that was. Um, okay. The next track is Young Lust. And this is another Rambo song. And I say this as a good, this sounds like a criticism, but it's not. It doesn't really go anywhere. And the reason I say that is because it's another one that's almost more of like a vibe or a drone in this case. Yeah. It's pretty consistent, but it's a great vibe. It's an excellent vibe. It just, it doesn't like build or have this like shout out chorus or anything. It just kind of consistently drones in a good way. Well, I'll tell you the story about that was that we went into the studio and it's going to, it's will sound a lot weirder than it was, but turned out all the lights mm. and it was in it. It became like a Donna summer mm. kind of thing. Me just there, you know, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of uh, sexualized, yeah. And but you know, but at the same time, kind of young, uh, teenage, teenage lust, you know, and uh -huh. very that that like, oh, it's too much, it's too much for me. But it was just so much fun because then Ian and and Mick were in the studio. Mick was playing the guitar. Ian was was like making weird sounds, you know, uh, background sort of sounds. It, and it was it was. It was kind of a tribal. Yes, kind of that's a better word it. for it. Tribal. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was so cool, man. Can you imagine? What was I? Twenty something. Never made a record before. In in this place, doing this thing. It was, no, that's it was it was it was primo in my life. I yeah. believe it. Yeah, I was going to ask you at the beginning of the song. It sounds almost like aliens are in the in in the room somewhere, but then Ian does this kind of yelping thing throughout yes, it all that's yes. the yelping yeah that he was yelping i was uh, you know having some sort of experience over in my corner uh -huh. and ronson ronson was playing the guitar i mean my god i don't uh. think i appreciated the gravity of the whole thing 
No one does. No one does. But it's such when a great doing piece it. of work. But that's better. It's better. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, being in yeah. the store, look at your hand. You just like, okay, here I am. This is my gig. You know, I'm yeah. doing it my thing. Yeah. You know? You, maybe this is a question that won't go anywhere, but you talked about, you know, you're from St. Louis, Midwestern girl, just coming to New York, uh, a sexualized moment like that. It's easier, obviously, to turn all the lights off and give you your corner of the studio where you don't, is it, are you able to, now you were in hair, you're a actress. Is it difficult for you to embody that kind of sexual being on a song like that? Or is it okay? It's okay. 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 I don't know. Okay. What to say more any more about it, but that's fine. It was just fun. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't real or anything yeah. like that. It was like you you talked about me being an actor. Yeah. Uh getting into getting into the character. Like these were both the Rambo songs, getting into the character of yeah. Night Out. This uh-huh. this sad, this lonely, out of place person. And this was some some some, you know, post pubescent girl going through the feelings of, you know, how do yeah. I handle this and, okay. and expressing it more to herself. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. I, um, so, okay. So the second to last song is hideaway. This is another one that you and Fred co-wrote. Were these, had you been much of a songwriter prior to getting your own solo contract? Like, no, uh-uh. no, no, no. Okay. I, you know, I, I, I probably should have stuck with uh, Fred Goodman. I would have been, I would have <laughs> probably continued with songwriting, but uh, as we all know, my, my life after this record took a real yeah. left turn. So a lot of, a lot of things in my life got left behind, but um, baby, don't you? It had that, you know. Uh-huh. Um, what what am I thinking about? Like the Gene Vincent, like run, yeah. run, run away. Yes. You know, yes. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You love that, yeah. you know. The the Roy Orbison, the being heightened, definitely kind of you know uh, love song. Um, Tommy James and the Shondells, you know, all yes. that kind of stuff that I that I really like, uh, influence that, I think. Yeah. I, you can tell I had in my notes more great, uh, background vocals. Uh, this song also has a sort of a meatloaf vibe, slight vibe to it, a slight Springsteen vibe. Yeah. Sort of dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also some really fun kind of new wave ish sound effects going on. I mean, this was really that 
This is the peak period where power pop and skinny ties are turning into new wave music with synthesizers and stuff like that. And so uh -huh. there's some of that, some of those accents or sound effects are making their way onto records like this. And there's a right. little bit of that in the beginning, which I love. Um, one of the things that I wondered about too, and this might be too nerdy of a question. This is one of the only songs on the album that ends very abruptly. There's like a clear end cutoff point. Who right. makes those decisions? Uh, was it, did someone say this is better to just end it, boom, right here, rather I than fade that, out? No, that that sounds like an Ian. Does it? And Ian, you know, we, do, we don't talk as, enough in this about Ian. We're talking about Ronson. But Ian was really the, uh, I would say, the producer of the producers. You know, he would, he would really, as as somebody who was had a solo career, and and had written a lot, uh, you know, was the song the songwriter, and uh, was Ian Hunter made a lot of decisions. So I I think that was him. But you know, you talk about fade outs. Um, when I first started working uh, on with uh, with Paul, and we were recording, and I'm like, it was 2015 or whatever, and I said, oh, we could just fade it out. They go. What? Nobody fades records out. And if you fade out, when did that when did that stop? I wasn't aware of it. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Right? I guess yeah. nobody does that anymore. I don't know. It hasn't for a long time. Who knows? I um something <laughs> you mentioning Ian Moore, I realized I, I think I failed to mention I believe Hilly Michaels is playing drums on this yes. album, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had he's another one. I had him on here too. He's a he's a nice old guy. He, uh, I don't yeah. think his health is very good, but he's a sweet old guy. And uh, we had some really nice conversations. Good, good. Yeah. He, uh, did you have any hand in selecting anyone in your band or was that all Ian that was bringing his friends in? Like Martin? It was Ian, but, you know, or, I think I, I, I introduced Tommy Mandel into it. Mm, okay. You know? Yeah. Because okay. I think he must have played on some demos and stuff for me. We had, we had worked on stuff, so I brought... Uh, I brought Mandel into it. Okay. Uh, something else. Uh, Bob Clearmountain uh, engineered this album, correct? Yes. Okay. Or did he? Did he? Is wasn't he mastered it? Mastered. Um, maybe that's Clear it. Mountain I can't mastered it. Yeah. Okay. And he was. He was the biggest in the business at that point. Yeah. Still kind of. I mean, he is a legend. legend. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever interact with him, or is everything he's doing happening after the fact? No, I actually, this is a funny, weird story. Um, he, he invited me to go with him to see The Clash. And, and we went down to the, uh, to the um, Academy of Music down on 14th Street. We were, I don't know why, we were in a balcony. I mean, he was Bob Clearmountain, but uh -huh. we were up in a balcony and uh, uh, the, so many people were jumping and stomping that I said, I got to get out of here. This is too scary. I think we're going to fall. This balcony really? is going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the class and left. I never told them that story, though. <laughs> but you can, you can, I, now it's fine. Okay, good, yeah, good. So it's not like we dated, but, you know, he, yeah. he we, we went to see that. That is wild. Concert together, right? That is Very wild. Nice Very nice man. Especially considering... Not soon after that, you and Mick would uh, not not too not too uh, far in the future. That's right, yeah. crazy. Okay, 
that should have been an omen, but uh, yeah, you yeah, foresight being twenty twenty or yeah, uh, yeah, whatever it is. Anyway, hindsight, hindsight. hindsight. I said foresight. Correct. Yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty. Um, okay, the last song. Don't let go. My understanding, I believe, was that this was an Ian Hunter leftover. I think right around this time, he put out uh, You're Never Alone with a Schizophrenic, which is one of my favorite Ian Al- Ian Hunter solo albums. Right. And so... Um, I think, yeah, I think it was after my was album. Because okay. On that, is, isn't that song, the one I did with him, We Gotta Get Out of Here, was I on that? Yes, was I that, believe you were, yes. Right. So it was, yeah, so it was after okay. this album. And I, yeah, Ian had never recorded Don't Let Go. Okay, yeah. He, um, and again, this is a very beautiful, sparse ballad. There's a gorgeous, cor- like the so- sound of a choral, uh, like a, almost like a gospel choir feel in the, in the background vocals on this one. Mm-hmm. Why, do you know why Ian thought you were the right per- vessel for this song? Um, I, because it's a, it's a really, uh, it's a really emotional song. He saw that I could deliver, you know, on the ballads, other ballads, kind of ballads. Were there any other ballads? I guess we go on tonight and, um, you know, he was my producer. I mean, you know, that's, that's the beginning. He's producing the record. He, He wanted a, um, a song on the record, but. The way that was recorded, it was me and just Tommy Mandel in the studio um, and live. And it was very emotional. I, you can hear in the end of the song that I, I broke up singing that song. I think I was thinking about my mom, you know, that, that was the image. Yeah. That song was really about my mom. What specifically about your mom? I don't know. I think she wasn't happy and, you know, had depression and, and probably wanted more, more out of her life than she yeah. had, you know, it, not specific, not, it, it just, I didn't go in there thinking, oh, I'm going to sing this about my mom. It just happened. It just happened. That's what mm-hmm. put you in the bright space. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. really beautiful way to close out that album. As I said, both sides of the record close out with these sort of um, one an epic ballad and the other kind of this pulsating 
they're both just the outliers on the record, but it's great. When you, uh, one other question I want to ask you, the cover of the album, you talked about being, being in your apartment, which I guess is the same one you're in now and how sparse it was. Is that a picture of you in the, in the, in the apartment? It's confusing because it might've been some other apartment on oh, okay. the Upper West side that didn't uh. have any furniture or it might've been mine, but the, I would, the funny thing is, I guess there's a picture on the wall of like a family. Uh huh. Um, and it, it's not my family. I have no idea who those people are. Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we can skip over the spirit of St. Louis, but another breath was that, I mean, that's that album sounds like a more likely sequel to this one. Was that sort of the idea? Right. It was like, let's get back to what I do really well. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know, it was kind of a, a, a stab at, at getting back on the track and, and the, you know, commercially. Yeah. yeah. Now, are okay. we going to go through another? No, 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 no. we're done. We're okay. done. Okay. No, no, I'm not saying a in on terms it. of time. It's just like, it's yeah. just, you know, I, I would have to sit down and think about it more. Sure. Before no, I, no. I just wanted just to kind really of tie it up. talking about it. Well, there's only the three albums, you know, there's of, of the peak Ellen Foley recording period. There's just the three and the debut, which we just talked about is so great. The second one is basically the weird clash album. And then the third one goes, harkens back to the first one. And yeah. uh, so I just, uh, and then it ends and uh, granted it ends as your acting career takes off. Right. Um, I did. I did a lot of stuff, right. You know, I, it, it became just, um, too hard to to be fighting you know against everybody trying to get some attention on that third album i mean i did something that for me now would be so atypical that i would never i i, I just i just didn't feel anybody cared about it so i started calling um music directors on at radio stations really <laughs> you know? that and doesn't sound like you Huh? No, no, it's not. And Popovich said, Hey, you're really out of control. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. And I was like, well, I'm just giving it a shot. Yeah. Wow. Giving it a shot. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, it was, it, it's so great. And now we have fighting words as kind of a, I don't know, maybe you'll make one more after this, but if you do, if you don't fighting words is a fantastic album to go out on because it's really killer. So, thank you, John. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ellen. Um, like I said, we'll uh, we're going to time this to come out around the release of the album. So it might be, I don't know, it might be next weekend or the weekend, sometime in the next couple of weeks. We'll. End I can't believe it's almost that time. Yeah, you know that happens in the summer. You think you have you have so much time, and then it's August. That's right. August is the cruelest month. <laughs> cruelest, it is. You're August right. There's no major cool. holidays and it's the end. Everything's going to go end. back to normal here very soon. Well, well, I mean, normal in terms of if you were no. a kid going back to school. That's and, it. I, yeah. You know, I think, I think for me, it holds on even when you're a kid. It's now it's not August. Yeah. You know, but summers did seem a lot longer back in the day, but they sure did. I, I can't believe it's almost here. Okay. John, thank you so okay. much. It's great thank to you, see Ellen. you. You too. Have a good night. We'll see ya. You too. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. Special twofer right there. So if you are new to Ellen 
or you are not familiar with the new album, by all means, go give Fighting Words a listen. It is so great. And if you don't know Ellen's earlier work, when I talked to Ellen first, the first time, which was about five years ago or so, I don't know that her three solo albums from back in the day were streaming, but they are now. They're all on Spotify, so they sound fantastic. They're a little hard to find. I mean, they're not like readily available on CD or, or maybe even vinyl, I don't know. But they're streaming and they sound great. So go get your mind around Night Out and Fighting Words and buy them if you like them, of course, all right? Thanks everybody and thank you Ellen for chatting and thank you Randy. I should give a shout out to her publicist, Randy Haker. I think that's how you say your last name, Randy, for helping set this up. Thank you everybody. We'll talk to you again soon.